Hey, 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 and welcome back to another episode of Free the Geek with me, your able podcast host, Matthew Setter. In this episode, my friend, I'm chatting with my wonderful friend, Cal Evans, the voice of the PHP community and a very, very supportive friend to me over oh so many years about so, so many things, but prime among them being a better communicator. I'm sure that you're going to get so much out of it. There is so much goodness, so much value that he shares. I do apologize slightly in advance for my audio being sadly notably quieter than his. But that aside, I'm sure you're going to love it. Cue the intro music. If you want to learn the essentials of developing and deploying applications with Docker Compose, especially if you've been struggling to figure out what you need to know while Googling, searching Stack Overflow, and various other forums, then you'll love Deploy with Docker Compose. It's a free book and course that teaches you the essentials of building images and deployment configurations, tagging images, and pushing them to remote container registries, how to debug applications running inside containers, how to debug containers when they don't work as expected, and how to deploy your application to a production environment or any other environment using Docker Compose. Now, it doesn't cover every possible Docker command, nor does it go absolutely super duper deep in depth about anything that you could know. It just covers the essentials that you need to know so that you can deploy your first application with confidence. And you also get a host of supporting information, tips, tricks, and pointers to help you out when you get stuck. Check it out today at deploywithdockercompose.com. I was going through your Twitter feed and I noticed a whole series of WordPress links. And the one that I have here is the ultimate guides to the WordPress REST API. For a person who really sparingly uses WordPress, could you give me the summary of, of well, uh, this, uh, the free book either yep. here and I guess the REST API and how it's different. Because the last time, sorry, really long-winded question, last time I get into was using WordPress. I think the REST API was becoming a thing. Yeah. But I guess it's like much more fleshed out now. It, it really is. And the ultimate guide is available, if I can make a pitch, um, for free from SiteGround. Um, but it's actually two books. Um, it's using and then customizing. So, uh, or extending, that's it. Using the uh, REST API and then the second book is extending, writing your own stuff. Um, and um, yeah, I've been using WordPress since... I sat down one day and figured out 2004, I think, was the first time I um, put WordPress up on my blog. And I had used a couple other things before that, and none of them really struck my fancy. And I'm like, ah, you know, whatever. Um, there's this new one out, and it's written in PHP. And I was just, you know, I, back in, I got into PHP back in 99. So I was like, 
okay, maybe I can make it do some things. And turns out I did. Um, I got into it right as they were starting to do plugins. And uh, I started writing stupid little plugins um, like, um, are you online within, this will date me, um, are you online on ICQ, you know, and things like that. So, um, I wrote a whole series of those called Blog Bling, which thankfully are no longer available and haven't been for several years. But, um, and fun fact, I actually have my core contributors badge out on, if you go out to wordpress.org and look up my name, it says core contributor. And that's because I contributed a small little piece. I found a bug in the testing framework for testing things. And I contributed a patch back. And like two years later, they go, oh, hey, we've accepted this. Here's your badge. So I'm like, cool. But uh, it, it literally is the the smallest amount you can do and be recognized for it. Mm-hmm. But it was fun. Uh, I, I I love giving back to projects that I work with, and you know I started like everybody else. I started WordPress as a blog, and then I started using it as um, e-commerce. As e-commerce started growing, and I built several e-commerce sites on it. At one point, I built a mailing list manager. Um, I had a mailing list for developers who wanted to be kept in uh, in the know when call for papers would come out. And so I built a mailing list around WordPress and WordPress was the management tool for that. Um, and I, I say that not because that's a good idea because God knows it's not a good idea, but just to show that um, the, the versatility these days of WordPress, uh, you can build you know, dang near anything. And I'm, I'm currently working with a team that we're migrating to WordPress for the back end. The front end is a mobile app, but the back end, we needed content management, user management, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, you know, that sounds a lot like WordPress. So why don't we just use WordPress for that? And they're like, you know, you're right. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very versatile tool. And yes, you're right. The REST API started off as a feature plugin. And that's the way, um, I guess they still do it these days, but that's the way new features get into the WordPress core is it starts with a plugin and they flesh it out and they hammer on it for years and say, you know, is this how we want it to work? And is this working right? And then if everything looks good, then they incorporate it into um, the actual core Um, or they leave it as a a plugin if it's not going to be as popular as they thought it might be. Okay. Um, so I had a question then and I absolutely totally lost it. Um, nothing I say here should be constitute or should be construed as knowledge. Okay. I'm telling you what I see from the outside, but I'm not a WordPress core contributor other than, you know, I've got my little core badge. Uh, I'm not an active core contributor. So, um, apologies to everyone who is a core contributor. If I've grossly misstated how things work. (laughs) You're always so de- self-deprecating, <laughs> but on the point of, of the, the REST API, so is that, uh, and, and this is kind of just purely asking without really knowing anything about it, is that then to enable that kind of functionality that you covered, you, you um, can then integrate that in, in sort of so many different ways to what it used to be, such as to a mobile app, you can yeah. um, give that a uh, CMS functionality, which I still appreciate is really nice to use, but then feed that information off into what so many different ways or that and outlets. 
Yeah, that and so much more. Um, I like to tell people it's uh, the REST API allows you to let other programs control WordPress. And um, I have my own podcast. Well, it's been a month or two since I've produced an episode. But um, the reason I got into working with the WordPress API is WordPress handles everything via post. Now, you can have custom post types and all this kind of stuff, but basically it boils down to post. Well, I needed... I had code that needed to operate on the episode level. And an episode is kind of like a post, but they're not numbered the same. I needed to be able to talk to WordPress and say, give me episode number 365 and understand what that is. So I wrote a REST endpoint um, using the WordPress API because my podcast was already in WordPress. So I wrote my own REST endpoint that I could say episode slash and the number and it would translate that. It would go find out, okay, he wants episode 365. That is post number X. And it would pull and retrieve that and return it to me in the format that I wanted it in. And um, that allowed me to build some really um, fun things. Like um, these days when I do publish episodes, I have a series of um, PHP scripts using the Symphony um, command module that I record it. And I slice it up into um, usually three, or I'm sorry, two MP3 files. And then I have a series of, I have one series of scripts that puts my intro, my outro, and puts a little um, commercial in the middle and makes one big MP3. I have one script that, um, and then uploads that to S3. I have one script that creates all the graphics necessary, the Twitter graphic, the Facebook graphic, and all that. And I have one script that actually creates the post on the website, which is WordPress, um, or updates it if it's, you know, if that episode already has a post. So I run three commands and then I go look at it and go, yep, that's what I meant to say. Boom. And push publish. So, uh, but it took me 13 years to get there. So <laughs> I don't feel so bad then. I was just listening to that thinking that is so, so much easier than what I do. <laughs> like I say, which is at the moment and I you probably laugh at me like terribly here, but I was just working through the four uh, previous episodes and I am, I don't know if I'm a glutton for punishment, but I was working with audacity and like putting different levels and leveling and all this stuff. And okay, I've got the intro, then I've got some music and then the music fades and, and so on and so on and so forth. And then the outro, which admittedly, yeah. at least the outro and the music are stock and they're just copy paste. But yeah, then the, was it the, the, the images I was that I made admittedly from a template in GIMP. Um, so there is a certain amount of automation, but yeah, I was just in awe of listening to that process. Just My um, graphics use kind of, uh, they use a template. There's a template um, built in there, but I use image magic to, like I go um, by default, unless I upload a different picture, it will take your Twitter handle, go out and pull whatever your Twitter graphic is and then it drops it using image magic. It drops it in, it drops the text in and all of that. And it just, it does it for me automatically. That way I don't, you know, I don't have to mess with it each time. Cause I just got tired of doing all that. Just curiously kind of like segueing into that. Do you, and maybe cause I want to get some ideas. Um, so what, with the template, what do you say? Do you have a certain amount of words or sorry, characters that you can put into it? Because you know, oh, yeah. a certain amount of characters, it'll still format nicely, no matter what's in there. Well, there's that. Um, also, um, I know that I can handle two lines of text on there. So uh, when I'm, I create a um, 
an ID3 file. I actually started life as an ID3 file for the MP3, but now I've added a bunch of extra fields in there that don't actually go into the MP3. Mm -hmm. But um, one of the things is um, the title of the episode. And if I put a pipe character in there, then it knows to take the pipe character out and replace it with carriage return. So if I'm saying interviewing Matthew Setter, that'll all, all fit on one line. But if I'm saying interviewing Matthew Setter about Docker, that won't fit on one line. So I'll put a pipe in there to mm-hmm. manually format it. And it's, you know, it's you just, after a while, you get a, a feel for, yeah, I can get away with this or no, I can't. So. Mm-hmm. And there have been times where I've had to regenerate the graphics because it just did not work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that just sounds just the sheer lack of effort. Just run this, make it happen. Wow. Well, when I did my very first podcast, and this is 2006, okay, I, I started a podcast called um, PHP Abstract. Um, Eli White used to run PHP Architect. Uh, he was my very first guest. Lorna Jane Mitchell was one of my guests. Um, and I learned a, a very important lesson there, and that is reduce the amount of effort you have to put into this every week. Because on that one, every week I would um, take the guest, they, they would send me the MP3 file, and I would take that, and then I would write an intro to it. I would write an outro, a, a thought, you know, um, and then I would have to edit all of this together, and I would, you know, tweak the audio and stuff like that. Um, these days, I have what's called a donut which is a audio file in Audacity that has my intro and my outro. And I take and I drop my interview in whole. I, I do very little editing unless somebody says something that I just, you know, has to come out. Um, I, I, I don't do any editing and I slice off the beginning until it's right where I want it, put it up there. I move my ending over and boom, I push the whoopee button, export to MP3. That. That's it. You know, I I do as little as possible. And it's cut down from my editing used to take three or four hours per episode on that first podcast. So I, I could probably knock one out in 15 minutes. 15 minutes. <laughs> as in like just the editing process or? Oh, yeah. Starting? No, the, well, if I'm doing the um, the full thing, it'll take me about 20 because I got to run the scripts and then approve the post. But um, yeah, 20 minutes per episode post-production. That's that's significantly better than what I've been doing because at least I'll I'll go back through it and maybe it's just because I'm being a little bit overly pedantic and I want to make sure that it's that it's right which mm-hmm. a lovely wonderful editor I worked with once says that's an admirable character trait to have however from a business and productivity perspective might want to wind that down a touch or apply it. Uh, what would you say, judiciously, but um, I guess if nothing else is is going through to hear it, say, okay, it it still sounds fine. And are there any kind of, what are the the key things maybe we talked about? So, okay, link to this, put that in the show notes. So really it's just for that, because I think I've got a four, five step macro that I created in Audacity, Hmm. which is just, I, I think it's, was it like compression, normalization, laughs and, you know, the, the usual kit, yeah. but just, you just watch like the little, you know, the, the progress bar is just like stage one, two, three, four, five, which is just brilliant. Um, but 15 to 20 minutes per episode. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, I didn't start there. Okay. Yeah. I started, um, 
like I said, three, four hours per episode. And um, it's just, like I said, I've been doing it since 2006, I think is when I was producing um, PHP Abstract. That was for Zend back when I was working at Zend and I was running DevZone. And uh, my boss said, hey, we need a podcast. So I was like, okay, we'll figure this out. <laughs> With my background in audio, you know, the, the technical end of it wasn't difficult. Um, it was much harder rounding up the, the right people. Okay. I guess sort of segueing into podcasts because we're on podcast um, and it really does fascinate, fascinate me and being, uh, you know, having the privilege of being a guest uh, on what am I up to th at least three occasions now, plus yep. listening to the podcast and everybody else. I, I see podcasts, at least to me, as a, as a real way of partly of, of giving back, of educating, all those really positive things. Do you, what do you feel if you can sum it down? has been the impact of those podcasts, say, on the community over the course of the years you've been running them? I've helped a lot of developers over the years fall asleep, okay? <laughs> really, just have. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that I, I... I like to think I've had a positive impact. Um, and I, I've gotten several comments, you know, hey, I love your podcast. I listen to it all the time. I'm always appreciative of that when people go out of their way to tell me they listen to it. But um, I don't... With PHP Abstract, I tried to do technical, okay? And what I found out real real quickly was trying to explain technical concepts with just audio is, you know, that it's just impossible. So um, we, when I finished that one up, I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. And so my goal with Voices of the Elephant was to surface people that normally – most people would never hear of. Now, I know throughout the years, I've had a lot of the big names of PHP on. It's been my great privilege to have them. Uh, but I like to think that over the years, I've also had people that you might not have heard of, and you, but you need to because they've got fun projects and, um, you know, they're, they're good people. You know, I've had um, uh, little projects. Uh, Taylor Outwell has been a, uh, a guest, you know. You might not have heard of his framework, but he's got a framework out there, and I hear it's pretty good. So, no, I'm kidding. I've had um, – you know, um, Joe Ferguson come on and talk about open source mental health and things like that. And um, Joe's a good friend of mine. And, you know, I, projects that I feel were important, but you got to have you, you've got to have people like Taylor Otwell on to get people to listen so that they're around when you want the Joe Ferguson um, or, or that kind of thing. And I'm not picking on Taylor. OK, not at all. <laughs> So there's so many ways you could go with that, but I'll, yeah, we'll, we'll brush over that. Um, I mean that politely, by the way, if, you know, Taylor's listening. Um, as you said, there's, there's, a, there's a good balance. I, I find it an interesting, what would you say, overlap of those two points. One, you can't get too technical, though I have listened to some economics and some security podcasts, and they do get reasonably admittedly it's been a while so i don't remember sort of how fine-grained mm -hmm. i would say straight up that no you, they don't get into like into the weeds of like deep economic theory or computer security it's kind of more of like a broad overarching yeah way. well the way in which it's talked about is different um i was sitting in uh seattle one time uh they flew us a, a bunch of us down there or out there um to to talk php and uh matthew where if any mwap Salute. Um, MWAP was there. And so I interviewed MWAP 
And he introduced the concept that I had never heard of, but he just took it um, for granted, solid. I'd never heard of the solid principles before at, at that point. Um, matter of fact, the first time he said it, I thought he said salad. And I said, dude, please explain how salad means programming. He went through the solid principles. That's pretty technical, but that's easy to explain while talking. On the other hand, I would never allow somebody to read code, you know, because you can't say, and if you look over here to this piece mm-hmm. of code, you'll see, like, no, they can't. So that's what I mean when I say, um, you know, I, I try to steer clear of the the heavy technical is I don't want people describing um, code. Okay. But I guess that also works with some people. I just, they just have a way of expressing themselves in such an energetic way, but they also, what would you say? I, I don't like the term dumb it down, but sort of. Uh, know the like the the medium they're working with and the audience they have and say okay then i'm gonna i'm gonna present it like this i have a different audience i'll present it like that and it can just they can just work it so beautifully those are great we have our community has had some great communicators um i i'm I'm at a loss to uh, pick one out of the air right now and if i did i'd miss the four others that um, i'm supposed to mention but we've had some great um, communicators and and that's the kind of person that you really want doing that Um, i do some of that but in a non-technical sense Um, i've got uh, one of my clients that i work with is a hosting company called siteground and they have me on webinars to explicitly explain technical concepts in non-technical language. That's my whole shtick with them. Um, I like to call it geek to English. But um, you know, I come on in, I talk to people about security, but when I mention two-factor authentication, I have to pause and say, okay, now this is what that is. Because you and I, you know, I can say 2FA to you and you go, oh, yeah, okay, we get the concept. But a lot of the people out there that are running e-commerce stores and things, they don't know these concepts. It's not second nature to them. That doesn't make them dumb. They're domain experts in what they do. It just means that when we're talking about it, we have to explain these things a little more than if we're just talking amongst ourselves. That's really interesting. It's something I've kind of wondered about for for quite some time is, well, partly, sorry, there are two threads there. One is when you come in with a particular domain of knowledge and then you want to work with someone else in who is, I guess, broadly in the same space. So in, in the case, as you said, for yourself, someone sort of more on the, like the development side to someone who's more on like the running the shop, um, mm-hmm. administering the shop, how do you sort of go about finding that, um, what would you say, this is what I have to deliver, where is my audience at, without, as has been or can be so common in the tech space, seeming condescending, seeming belittling, you're like, I'm just here to present it, I don't want to talk down to you, but I have to mm-hmm. find where you are so that I can communicate it the right way. How do you find well, what works best? First thing I do is I, I explain to them. The purpose of this podcast is to explain, or uh, this episode is to explain a technical issue to people that are what I call non-technical site owners. Okay, so um, yeah, I, I set it up like that and let them know that I'm not talking down to them. I'm just, you know, I, I've got to set a level. Second of all, I save all of my condescension. You know, the old um, small words, short sentences for when I'm talking to managers. Okay them I can deal with. Um, but when I'm talking to domain experts or site owners, non-technical site owners, these are not dummies. 
they've built sites out and they have um, they, they, they've built a working business and they've got things going. They just need to understand some of what our site is so that they can keep their site secure and running fast and that kind of stuff. So that's how I explain it. You're, you're not a dummy. You just don't know the things I know. You know things I don't know, you know? And so, but I've got to explain to you. So I talk to them as adults, but with the understanding that they have not spent, you know, the past 36, 40, oh my God, 40 years, um, writing code. So. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Um, I think I was, I was having a chat with someone in the last two days. Ah, uh, that was it. We were talking about, uh, because having spent uh what the last over the course of the last 15 years which largely kicked off thanks to yourself actually by the way many many years i'm so sorry (laughs) (laughs) it was like the random moment of chance um doing technical documentation so and and it's a really fascinating field or the or the people Mm -hmm. that spend time in it is quite fascinating to hear their backgrounds um for another time but and in this case, I was talking to someone and I didn't know her background and it came up through the course of the conversation that she was previously a sysadmin in another life. Um, and now was uh, running the technical documentation team at a, a reasonably large company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said to her at one point, I said, look, I hope that I'm not coming across in any way condescending because to be honest, I should have asked upfront you know, a bit about your background so I could sort of orient myself properly. But, and she, and she just sort of not even sort of shrugged it off, said, oh, that's fine. And we, you know, continued on. And I sort of felt in that moment that I, I felt a moment of sort of victory that I had lost a certain raw over-enthusiasticness that I used to have many years ago of just either just completely steamrolling through powered by enthusiasm or having that certain perhaps condescending tone, not intentionally, in my voice, that we oh, could yeah. just have it, and she'd say, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's fine." And I felt really satisfied in that way. That technical on one hand, communication on the other, and it just had melded quite nicely. Yep. And you know, I, I look back at my career, and um, I wasn't always—I I don't consider myself a great communicator, but I, I'm fairly decent at it these days. Especially if you knew me back when I started, um, because I used to tell people I got into computers because I don't like dealing with people. So, but then I became a community manager, so <laughs> that went out the window. Um, but it's—it's it's a skill that I think anybody can learn. Just most developers don't take the time to, and I, I really think it would do our our industry a lot of good if more of us learned how to communicate with non-technical people without being condescending, but with still being clear and concise. Okay. So let's say theoretically you had your stereotypical, although there are many stereotypes, I guess, tech person who's more, I'd rather just write code. I might write docs. Communicating, that's if you really push me to do so. And how would you kind of, I guess, what what would the, say the tips be that you give to that person to help them start to move toward being a better communicator? Or how would you work with that person? I would start with the written word because the written word is the, the easier of the two. Uh, very few of us have stage fright from writing. Um, 
And I, I tell the story often. Um, people that know me have heard this a hundred times before, but my mother was a sadist. She was a fifth grade English teacher. Ah, but I repeat myself. Um, no, my mom really, um, she, she, from a very early age, um, when I did something wrong, I know it's hard to believe that I would, but when I would do something wrong, um, as soon as I could hold a pencil, it was um, writing sentences. And eventually I graduated from sentences to copying passages out of the Bible, copy this passage four times. And about the time I hit junior high, she just started assigning me essays. Give me 500 words on this topic. The offshoot of that is I can now sit down and write 2,500 words on dang near anything. Okay, I, I know how to research it, figure it out, write it up, boom, spit it out. Um, and that I, I was um, home for Fourth of July uh, just recently and um, saw mom and I was explaining this whole thing to her yet again and thanking her for that gift. Um, but I know other people that that don't that did not have a sadistic mom like I did and did not have that gift. So what I would suggest to them is start with 500 words a day. And I don't care what it's on, okay? You can write 500 words on what your dog did yesterday or what your cat did yesterday. Be hard pressed to find 500 words on what my goldfish did yesterday, but you get the idea. It doesn't matter what, just write every day. And eventually you will find your voice. And it took me a long time. Uh, my blog right now is offline because I accidentally deleted it, but I'm in the process of bringing it back online. But in the process, I'm looking at some of the old blog posts. And there's some horribly bad writing in there, and, mm -hmm. but you know, it, it gets better over time. So I would start, if you want to become a better communicator, start by writing and just write every day. Commit, I'm going to write 500 words every day. Once you're comfortable with that, you can start figuring out, I want to write about this. And maybe this is your favorite technical concept or your favorite coding trick or something like that. 500 words and then publish it. And that takes a lot of guts to actually publish something on the web. Um, because the best, easiest way to get the right answer on the web is to post the wrong answer. So if you get it wrong, people going to tell you. Um, and then if you find you really enjoy this, start volunteering to speak at user groups, either online or we're getting back to some, uh, some groups are now back to in-person. <clears throat> um, start volunteering to speak at these user groups. And you'll find that the more you do it, if you get over that first initial hump, the more you do it, the easier it's going to get. The very first time I was asked to give a technical presentation, um, and this is back in my Fox Pro days. Yeah, I'm that old kids. Um, back then, I actually turned them down because I was too afraid to do it. And I kicked myself weekly for doing that. Every time I think about that, I'm like, that was such a stupid decision to turn it down. Somebody asked you to speak, give it a shot, okay? It might not be your thing. You might find out this is just not my thing. But if you've never done it, you won't know. Damn, that's, that's impressive. I, 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 I fully appreciate the point. It, it ties in beautifully with a wonderful South African friend of mine who I had the pleasure of working with in the UK. I asked him once because I was just in awe of him uh, in, from a, like a, like a, a dev perspective. And I, because I thought, well, you know, if you've got someone here who can do things really well, surely just ask them they can just say no or they can give you some proverbial you know like the tablets from the mount kind of thing with with the advice and i thought i'll just ask him um 
And I was waiting for, I, I, could have, I anticipated this very sagely answer and da, da, da. And he said, write lots of junk. And each time you look at it, say, what can I do better next time? Do that and write more junk. And he yep. said, and eventually you'll write less junk or the proportion of junk in your app will be smaller and the better stuff will be bigger. And I said, I, I just sort of smiled and yep. politely said, thank you. And went, that's not what I was expecting. Yet at the same time was like, well, that makes a lot of sense. As you said, just yeah. learn one thing and do it again. Absolutely. And while nothing I have ever written has been compared to tablets, okay, most of the time it's the wrapper <laughs> that bubblegum comes in. Um, but the one thing you got to remember, and this is true whether you're writing um, text or you're writing code, nothing you write is sacred or perfect. Okay. I was reading something. Um, I'm working on my eighth book now. And uh, I wrote it about a year ago and um, the lovely and talented Kathy is doing the layout on it. And so I got to go back and start reading some of it. And I, there's great swaths of it. I'm like, no, either, either A, this is just wrong or B, there's a better way to say this. And so I'm you know, going through and editing a lot of it. Nothing I write is um, perfect or sacred. It just, it is the best I have at the time. And um, that goes true for my code. Some of the code that I look at that I wrote six months ago, a year ago, I, you know, you, you cringe. And mm -hmm. if you're not, then you're not learning anything on a regular basis. That reminds me of one of my favorite quotes that I mention anytime that I can was from uh, Stephen King wrote a book on writing, I think it's called. And I, would, I think he coined the phrase, or in my mind it's attributed to him, is that phrase, was it murder your darlings or something? or some variation on that yep. phrase of, of going I do believe that was him, yes. And saying, okay, now I have my body of work and it's all there and I have all my bits. Now go through and wasn't be brutally ruthless and say, do I need that there? No, if I take that out, will my work be any worse off? No, take it out. Unless yeah. for those occasional times where you just like that phrase, but wow. And, and I love that concept because so many, especially business books that I read, they're, the first third are are really good and packed with information. Mm. And it feels like the last two thirds they tacked on because they had to hit a page count. Mm. You know, just I'd rather you sell me a 10,000 word book that is exactly what I want than make me weed through 30,000 words. Yeah. Someone said, I need, okay, we'll give you a contract or whatever. You have to write at least this, this amount of words saying, well, I was done at 20,000 and I had to find 10,000 on something otherwise you were going to cut my fee or yeah. whatever that's okay. why most of my books are are very short because i run out of things to say and i just i'm no good at padding them you know so mm. i got in so much trouble at school for that of okay it was really good to hear and you wrote some waffle didn't you like <laughs> well i thought i had to write more words going no 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 and so then it was well you're telling me on one hand i have to write this many words and then on the other hand, you're saying, don't waffle. I'm like, all right then. But okay, so you've you've got someone they've practiced and then they've taken the guts, which as you said, is, I don't know, maybe is it a technical crowd? And not necessarily software technical, but any kind of overly technical background, engineers, so forth. You're now publishing it and you're kind of, your skin's a bit thicker because people Oh yeah, may... no, it's not so much thick skin. We're arrogant. Okay, if I wrote it, it must be brilliant. So I'm going to share it because you need to know. <laughs> Sorry, I can't even make it through the straight face. Uh, no, a lot of us, especially when it comes to code, a lot of us are arrogant. And um, it, it 
to me, and we're getting, we're wandering all over the place, but to me, that's the difference between a mid-level developer and a senior developer. A mid-level developer still thinks that what they write is good. A senior developer realizes it's bad. Uh, that moment where someone uh, does peer review on your code and just says to you very kindly, and I quote, hmm, that's interesting. I wouldn't have written it that way myself. <laughs> now, and then, my, yeah. my favorite peer review was from my buddy, Matthew Turland, when we both worked together at Blue Parabola. He didn't realize he was peer reviewing my code. And his words, his opening sentence was, who wrote this shit? <laughs> Could imagine him saying that. Oh yeah, yes. just yeah, beautifully direct. Um, so okay, so you've 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 um, built up your ability to communicate uh, mm -hmm. by writing, and so you can yeah you, know, you can turn a phrase, you can cut excess, get to the point, etc. etc. Um, you've had a few speaking opportunities, which then gives you that that same opportunity but in the spoken form. Um, I, I guess from from I, I guess at this point, you can then continue to to you know find more opportunities to speak such as such as here and, and write. Mm -hmm. Would you say that there's now we need to add in what more more empathy or whatnot or or what do you feel we should go to from here or just more practice really? It, it really depends on what your goal is. Um, if your goal is to break into developer relations, um, hey, a, a job at McDonald's pays more these days. So, but no, um, if your goal is to break into developer relations, then yes, you're going to have to figure out how to do this often. And you're going to have to figure out, like in this interview, how to do this stuff off the cuff. Because everything, it's fairly obvious, everything I'm saying here is just off the cuff. We've not rehearsed this. So you're going to have to, master even more skills, but that's okay. You're building um, Scott Adams, the guy that writes Dilbert, you're building what he calls a talent stack. And that's, you know, these are talents that complement each other. So if you can code and then you can write about what you code and then you can um, talk about what you code and then you can podcast and um, do things like that about what you code, then those are complementary talents. You're just building your talent stack. If, on the other hand, you just want to be a good developer, I would not go whole hog into it. And learn to write, learn to speak, but you, you don't have to be writing every week and you don't have to be speaking every month, okay? You just have to be able to communicate your ideas because you're going to be called on to communicate them not only to your peers, but to your company, to the board of directors, that kind of stuff. And you want to be able to do that. That reminds me of... Um... I've, I, I don't code as much as I would like to, and I kind of push myself to keep doing it. Um, and I think it was Andreas Heigl was, I don't think that he coined the phrase, but he said, was it, um, instead of test-driven development and domain-driven development, documentation-driven development. <laughs> I'm going to write my documentation about what it will be doing yep. by the time I'm finished. That and sounds like him. <laughs> And I started doing that because in, I think I've seen it in, I'm pretty sure that Laravel would have it. I think Symfony has it where you've got a Symfony or a Laravel app and their respective command line tools. You can say, show me the routing table for this app. <laughs> like what is the name of it? The route or the route path, it's options, uh, the methods it accepts, all those various criteria. And so <laughs> then it will, was it pull in the configuration, collate it, show it to you. And I use Mezio a lot 
and you can look through the documentation, sorry, the configuration files and the code files to get it, but I could not find anything that would do the same thing. And so after searching around and asking in the Slack channels, enough people said, no, I'm not aware of it. And I couldn't find anything in the, the various packages. So I thought, okay, what am I going to do? And so I sat down at the readme and just started writing it through to say, this pack, this command will do blah. Okay, then how will it do it? And just started writing and writing and writing. Um, and then push that that's in the PR, the very small PR at this point, which GitHub is littered with, you need to format this way and format that way. But let's come to that later. Um, and it, it was, like you said, I, I felt it was a, a fun way to go about it. And perhaps a good way that in addition to writing in the PR, like what's a good title, what in a nutshell will this do? So mm -hmm. one of the maintainers can say, no, we don't need it. Or that might be interesting. Yeah, I think we could do with that. Then mm -hmm. in your description, please describe. And then you go further, but then to have the full docs to say, this is what it will do. Here are the options, the short, the long, uh, here are the options or the values that each option will accept, et cetera, et cetera. I hope w collectively will be enough to, well, one to sell it, to say, yeah, we really need that. You need to finish that for us. Or alternatively, yeah, it's nice, but maybe something else. Mm -hmm. And so I like that, that writing in that way to, as you say, you're, this is how something works, but it's also perhaps selling someone on your yeah. idea that you really think this is a good idea. I really want you to accept my contribution and here's how fantastic it will be when it's done. Yep. Communicating so, your ideas. That's, um, you know, we do it in code. But for people that don't read code, we've got to be able to communicate them, communicate with them in a language that they understand. And mm -hmm. um, if that's written, if that's verbal, um, for, for me, that's English. But for a lot of people, that's not English. So whatever the language that your audience needs, you need to be mm -hmm. able to communicate in. Um, so as I always do at this point uh, in the, the show, it's hand over to you. If there's something that you want to plug, talk about, something's upcoming, or just generally say, this is awesome. It's over to you. Um, <laughs> I've really got nothing. Um, I, I guess the, the one thing I, oh, I, I, I'll tell you, uh, my favorite toy these days is a package called Lando. Um, and it is written, it, it's a wrapper for Docker and um, Docker Composer. Okay. Um, and you still build the YAML files. But you, it, it, they're much easier for me to understand than a Docker Compose YAML file. And I can say, um, I can tell it I need to spin up WordPress and it knows, okay, WordPress is going to need database and WordPress is going to need the source code and all of and the, the command line tool and all that. Um, and I can, I can build up these complex systems. And then I just say Lando up, it builds them up. And I say Lando down or Lando stop. And it, um, it stops them. And I can, I've got probably 40 Lando environments on my machine right now. At any given time, I maybe have two running, but everything from, um, you know, the, the latest copy of my, if I'm doing some development on WordPress plugins, I've got one for that to, I've got one that I just spin up because I don't want to install a bunch of stuff on my computer. So I spin this up and install everything, all the needed tools in the Lando or in the Docker container. 
um, to copy WordPress sites because WordPress doesn't move easily. And so I've got a, um, a very long bash script that I run that uses the WordPress command line tool and SCP and tar and all this other um, bash magic to move a WordPress site from one site to another. Uh, and, and, but I didn't want all the necessary tools to do that installed on my machine. So I just spun up a Lando and did that. So Lando, if you're not using Lando, um, you can do it. I, I think it's um, uh, Lando.dev is the, the website. Um, if for PHP developers, it's wonderful um, because they're very, the, the people developing it are, are very into PHP. So like by default, Composer is installed um, and uh, which, you know, for Node and Ruby users is useless, but for us, hey, that's cool. So, um, and you can spin up uh, WordPress, Drupal, Laravel, um, several others that uh, those are the big ones that everybody uses and spin up those environments very quickly, get stuff done and then shut it down when you're done. And it's just, it's absolute wonderful tool. Um, if you are already using Docker, like, like you, um, and you're an expert at it, this is just going to frustrate you. But if you're like me and don't want to have to learn to be an expert in Docker, just to get stuff done, Lando is just a wonderful tool. Wow. Okay. I think you mentioned that before. So I'm definitely going to have a look at it. Because like, while I'm totally fine with writing the files myself, mm -hmm. as you said earlier on in the conversation, sometimes it's like, how can I just compact time down as much as possible? So yeah. that is definitely on my list to have a look at. And I'm giving the Docker Compose talk again next mm -hmm. week, the 14th, I believe. And I'm hopefully there'll be enough time and I can maybe sort of work it in. Um, and if possible, I'll work it in and plug right at the bottom to Cal. Very cool. Well, thank you very, very much for your time. Um, Matthew, it is afternoon. always an honor to be um, asked to be on your podcast. Anytime I, anytime I can be of, of service to you, just let me know. Thank you kindly, good sir. And that's a wrap for this episode. You can find more about anything you've heard in today's episode by going to freethegeek.fm. That's freethegeek.fm. If you've enjoyed the episode, I'd love it if you'd give it a rating on your podcast platform of choice. Alternatively, please leave a comment in the episode discussion. I'd love to know what you think, what you thought was good, what could do with a bit more work, etc, etc. Otherwise, I'll see you next time.